Hello, we're back with another podcast, and as always, I'm your host, Guy. It truly is an honour to partner with Action for Happiness and be part of this wonderful movement of people committed to building a happier and more caring society. Our guest today is Ed Hawley, a good mate of mine, and he's the co-founder of Floatworks, a centre for floating in pods or isolation chambers or sensory deprivation tanks, and he embodies these philosophies. We dive into the scientific benefits of floating, profound synergies with meditation and mindfulness and we dig into how philosophy can be extremely important for increasing our happiness so the top reason that people come to flow is simply to relax and reduce stress Um, and then the second and third which are kind of tied is to enhance mindfulness and to explore consciousness often you're going through a hard time if you can reframe that as this is me leveling up. It's hard to do, but and I've, I've spent a lot of time try working at it. Yeah. But that is a really, really valuable way to view the world if you can get there. Floating and exercise and meditation are amazing tools to bring you out of that, to support you in getting back out of that. But then the other thing is, is, is philosophy, thinking in a certain way, which is kind of what you were touching on before. But stoicism is a brilliant one. Aiming to be happy all of the time, in my opinion, I don't believe that's realistic because I think the nature of reality is that you are going to be happy and you are going to be sad and you're going to be up and you're going to be down. But if you can build practices into your life that make a larger percentage of your time on the happy side and a lower percentage of your time on the lower side, that's what you should be aiming for. For more episodes like this and to access our growing library of podcasts, visit actionforhappiness.org forward slash podcasts. Also download our podcast app on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like, follow and subscribe to ensure you get updates and notifications on new content. All right, so Ed, thanks for coming back. Round two, back in the studios. So Ed runs the, the Floatworks in Vauxhall, an entrepreneur, a good mate of mine. And i um, very excited to, to have you back here, you know, discuss what's the latest and greatest in floating and... Um, yeah, so thanks for coming back. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot gone on since we last chatted, so uh, lots to catch up on. And so um, I've been asked a few times recently in um, the build-up to this, well, you know, remind me what is floating again. So I mm-hmm. thought, who better than to, mm-hmm. to to give the description? And you've probably, you know, had to say it thousands and thousands of times, right, in the past, you know, however many years. And, and I'm sure that the way you describe what floating is has changed. Mm-hmm. as your understanding of it has changed and your feedback so you know just to remind our audience you know what what is floating yeah so well the, th- the first thing i always do when i'm talking about floating in that context is to explain literally yeah, yeah. all right yeah is to explain literally what it is mm-hmm. um because as you say th- my understanding of what floating is has evolved a lot over the last three years because that's how long i've been running floatworks with my business partner chris yeah um and yeah, you, you can go in all different ways with it. But what it really is, it's a huge pod. It's got 10 inches of water in it, which has over half a ton of Epsom salt dissolved into it. So when you climb into that pod and you pull the lid down, you float effortlessly. And we, on our board, one of the guys on our board is a guy called Tim Strudwick. And he designed the pod that we use. It's called the Isopod. And he's actually the original founder of Floatworks. And we, we kind of went into business with him and relaunched it. So his pod, the isopod, is large. It's really big. So when you climb into this 
pod filled with water and Epsom mm. salt. It's really like you're getting into a car. Yeah. It's that big. And it's all white. It almost looks like something that might be designed by Apple. Mm-hmm. And it's got a really beautiful UV backlit blue light. And you climb in and you lie back and you're completely supported. So you can totally relax. It's like you're lying on a bed, but you can't feel the bed because you're on water. So it's more like a cloud. Yeah. The water's heated to exactly skin temperature, mm-hmm. so you can't feel it. Yeah. So after a while, your skin and the water become one. So you have no sense of touch, and you have no gravity because you're floating. Mm-hmm. You reach over to your left, and you can turn the light off, so then you don't have any visual inputs. Pitch black? Pitch black. Mm-hmm. You don't have to float with it mm-hmm. pitch black, and some people don't want to. Uh, and also you're wearing earplugs for two reasons. One, because you don't want salt water to go into your ears, and two, because you don't want to be able to hear anything either. Mm-hmm. So you can't hear anything, you can't see anything, you can't feel anything, and you have no sense of gravity. Yeah. So that's what floating literally is. Um, but the result of floating, I mean, we can talk about, there are all different results. Yeah. You can look at the science, you can look at how it makes you feel, why you do it, yep. um, etc. And you're, you're in there for one hour, I should probably mention as well. Yeah. So it's an hour alone with your thoughts in an environment that is not like anything else, yeah. um, which for some people could feel quite daunting at first, actually, but the result is quite amazing, really. And a, a very small percentage of people say, well, that wasn't quite for me. Mm-hmm. A very, very large percentage of people get an awful lot out of it. And what would you say are the <coughs> biggest drivers, you know, when of all the people that come to float, what is what is the main reason that they do? So we so we have been working to understand that obviously because we have one float center with four pods and we're launching a second float center with six pods. Yeah. Um, in so our first one is in Vauxhall mm-hmm. in southwest London and our second one is in Angel yeah. in north northeast London. Yeah. Um and, you know, we've been doing this for three years now, me and Chris. Tim has been doing it for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And what what we recently did is started working with our customers to understand why they were coming to float. Because it's all very well as understanding why we do it. Yeah. But we wanted to ask our customers. So the top reason that people come to float is simply to relax and reduce stress. Yeah. Um, and then the second and third, which are kind of tied, mm-hmm. is to enhance mindfulness and to explore consciousness. Right. So, you know, the, the, the ratios are quite different. You, you about 60%, I think, answered just to relax. Yeah. But then they're all linked anyway, you know, via those pathways. You know, if mm-hmm. you're enhancing mindfulness and exploring your consciousness, you're relaxing by default anyway. But they're the three drivers that get people to come. And have they remained consistent in the past four years or have the with the popularity of floating and with i guess with the science uh-huh. that's you know more ben- here you know scientifically proven benefits to floating yeah you know has that remained consistent um yeah but there are all, there is quite a long tail of other reasons for people to float you know like sort of skin health musculoskeletal health reducing physical stress in the body mm-hmm. um there are many many more pregnant women often like to come and float because they're they're under a lot of physical okay. stress. Mm-hmm. Um, there are m- many other reasons, but they're the big three, and they always really have been. And and the the research supports um, 
overwhelmingly supports those three reasons really because it all points towards the reduction of anxiety and the enhancement of your well-being psychological well-being the way that you feel yeah so how does it reduce stress and how does it reduce anxiety so there is a uh, organization in america called the laureate institute of brain research which is based in ohio and there's a guy called justin feinstein who runs a research unit that is focused on floating Mm -hmm. because because floating has been used to alleviate the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder with ex-military people and and other people um and his research delves into the neurological impact that it has on the brain um and also looks at the resulting feelings associated with, with floating so in terms of the brain they they put people in an fmri scanner before they go into the float pod and look at what's going on in their brain um, they put other people into a control situation, which is just a dark room lying down with your spine neutral. So, you know, you've got one person in a float pod, yeah. you've got one person lying down, basically, in a dark room. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they look at the results afterwards in terms of the activity in the brain when you take them out and put them back into the fMRI scanner. Right. And there is a huge reduction in activity in a neuronal network called the salience network can't remember i know the anterior cingulate cortex is part of it there's some other parts i can't remember it all Um, but that salience network is dampened down the level of activity and that's what the floating research shows it shows that floating significantly reduces activity in in that area but research into that neuronal network shows that that is an area of the brain that is heavily implicated in feelings of anxiety and stress and depression and all those kind of things so The hypothesis is that by reducing sensory inputs, you reduce the activity in the part of the brain that's responsible for processing all of those sensory inputs. Mm -hmm. And that in turn reduces feelings of anxiety and stress and depression and so on and so forth, which leads to a better state of well-being. There are also studies that show that cortisol in the blood is reduced as well after floating. Mm -hmm. So there are all all these neuronal and physical markers that are linked to well-being as well i mean it's not that simple as, as we know but that, that's the science behind what floating is doing yeah and, and then generalized anxiety scores justin feinstein has done lots of research as well around you know, working with people before the float and understanding in detail how they're feeling and what their mental state is mm. and then doing anxiety assessments afterwards and again it's yeah. it's um statistically compelling the yeah. the, the result the, the reduction in levels of anxiety in healthy sample sets i think the next step is to start thinking about how you use that with people that are actually not very well and they're actually suffering from uh, you know mental health problems so that's the next thing that i think he's going to go into to look at how it can be used in depression and anxiety um yeah that that's the most compelling evidence out there at the moment so for you do you find that the way you benefit from floating has changed as you've on un- as you've gotten to experience it more and with more regularity yeah and with the the research and the learning that you're doing at the same time with the feedback has its effect on you um changed over the past couple of years well obviously w- when i first got into it i became a bit obsessed with it because obviously i was opening a float center mm-hmm. and so you know i'm going to use it as much as i possibly can 
Um, and I, I know that my business partner, Chris, floats about twice a week still. At the moment, I'm floating once a week if I can, but yeah. sometimes it's once a month, sometimes yeah. it's once every two weeks, yeah. depending on how busy I am. When I first started out, I, I, you know, I did stints where I was floating seven times in a week every single morning, mm -hmm. uh, and I felt incredible, because you will feel incredible mm -hmm. if you put yourself into an hour-long meditative state that reduces anxiety and reduces sensory inputs mm -hmm. every single day. I mean, you, you, you feel semi-euphoric afterwards, yeah. and the fact that I really understand and know what that environment is like means that there's no getting used to it for me. I just go in and I'm comfortable, I'm at yeah. home straight away. Um, but now it's more, as opposed to something that I'm exploring day in and day out, it's more just a tool that I use. Yeah. I use exercise to make me feel better. Um, I use talking to people <laughs> to make me feel better. Um, I journal sometimes, you know, if I've got prob a problem, then I'll write about it. And floating is just another one of those tools right. that I use. Mm -hmm. um, similar to, you know, I, I meditated every single day for quite a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And that was really profound. But then again, you know, discipline is, is freedom sure. ultimately if you, can, if you can keep it going, but it's very difficult to do, which I'm sure we'll get into. Right, so you, know, you, you touched on meditation. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously for me, when I think of floating, that pops immediately into mind. So, yeah. you know, what... what what are the similar similarities or crossovers, if you will, in you know from not only from your experience but anecdotally from what you've heard and your research? You know what are the the crossovers between mindfulness, stroke, meditation, and and floating? Okay, so <clears throat> I think that is quite an interesting and complicated question to answer. So I have my take on it as well. So um, okay. <laughs> Yeah, and my and my my view on this has evolved over time. Um, so, to to me, in both in both meditation and floating, you're going in to an environment where you're ultimately going to try to switch off from the day to day grind of continual stimulation and, and thought. Mm -hmm. When I meditate, I sit yeah. and I'm aware of my body and I focus on my breath. And I try to observe my thoughts. Right. And I think when I was doing that regularly, mm -hmm. that was an amazing tool mm -hmm. at the time. But it was also something that actually changed the way that I thought. Yeah. Or, or at least changed the way that I related to my thoughts. Mm -hmm. So, and that will have a, a physiological impact as well. With floating, you can go into that environment with no distractions apart from your breath yeah. which is great it helps you to meditate yeah. because it's hard to meditate when you can hear you know your kids if you've got kids in the background or your phone is you know it's there even the fact that you know your phone is there is a distraction mm -hmm. the fact that you're sat in a house with your flatmate and making food next door all those things or even be just being sat in a chair and feeling your weight and feeling your feet on the ground and feeling your you know your bum on the chair you do right have that you know, you feel like the body connecting, right? Whereas when you're floating, that even that layer gets it's removed, all right? gone. Yeah, and so you can focus fully on the breath mm -hmm. in a float tank. Yeah, um, but that I don't. That's to say that you know there's a, there's a there's a value to having to deal with all those distractions as well. Because when you're meditating, it's how you relate to them. Because mm -hmm. you would know better than I do. But 
when I went on the, the, the 10 day Vipassana, you know, it's about how you relate to the pain, mm -hmm. the distractions, etc. Yeah. And you're not generally going to feel much pain in a float tank, you know, it's just a very beautiful position to put your spine in. But when you're sat in a chair mm -hmm. for an extended period of time, you're going to start to move around and get a little bit of discomfort. So I think that the mindfulness activity that you're performing is slightly different in that sense. Yeah. Because the environment is just different. Yeah. But you can still you can still practice mm -hmm. the art of or the practice of mindfulness in either situation. Um but for me I think in the in the tank, in the float flotation tank, yeah, you don't have that imminent beep from your phone that's gonna send you a Facebook alert or a message or an email that pops in or yeah. and a lot of times I struggle when I meditate because it's like, all right, I've got five minutes, I've got approximately 10 minutes left why don't i just end it now because i need to send that urgently whereas if you're in that in the tank you know you, the only time it's going to end is when the lights and the music come on towards the end yeah right so you're not you know that for that specific amount of time you're dedicated to that one thing yeah so there's a few things so so my girlfriend mm -hmm. is not very good at meditating yeah. she would say so herself you know she finds it extremely difficult to sit and meditate so the idea of being kind of locked in a float tank for an hour to her was like, this is going to be difficult. But she didn't find it so. And I think that, A, it's, it's like a pleasurable experience to get into a warm pool of water and to float. So first of all, you're kind of like, wow, this is novel. This is nice. Um, but then the second thing is you're committed. Right? You've, 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 you've taken all your clothes off and got into a big salty bath and you're going to have to get out and have a shower afterwards. You, know, you put earplugs in. You're not just going to give up after a few minutes because you're like, well, I'm here now. So you're, it commits you quite quite strongly and then the other thing is that um and this is where i think there's a there's a difference there is a you can be mindful in a float tank if you focus mm -hmm. um you can choose to let that go after a while and drift off or you may naturally like sometimes i'll go in a float tank i'll lie there and i will solve a problem and i have no other sensory inputs so i can focus all my energy on that problem oh. Sometimes I get a Which then in increases your ability to concentrate as well. Absolutely, focus, right? yeah, because there are no distractions. Yeah. And, and uh, But then sometimes I will get in there and I'm a bit tired mm. and I will just drift off into a dream landscape where I'm half awake, half asleep, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like a waking dream and it's quite magical yeah. and quite enjoyable. And sometimes I go in there and I will just focus on my breath and meditate. Yeah. Usually after, as always with meditation, after a certain period of time, my thoughts start to wander, and I try and bring it back. Yeah. So I think it's more you can you can use the float tank for meditation and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. You can use it for problem solving. You can use it for drifting away and relaxing. You c it's a little bit more diverse in that sense. And I think it's actually, you know, if someone asked me, I think it's the perfect environment to meditate. Yeah, because for me, especially when I'm when I refer to meditation, I'm I'm coming from a perspective of mindfulness, where you're the, the tool that you're using is to be the observer of thought, thoughts, mm -hmm. right? And it is so easy to just get carried away and lost into all the, the madness of thinking, especially when you've got your phone going off and you've got all these distractions. But when you're in there, like I said, uh, uninterrupted for that hour period, what I find usually happens is that first five, ten minutes is like a, a bombardment of that usual crap that comes into your mind, mm -hmm. right? Email, this and that. You, you feel that your time would be better spent doing something else, yeah. right? And it's the brain's natural um, response to wander and to give you negative thoughts. Yeah. But then after that kind of 10, 15 minute period when you've had the, you now start to tap into thoughts that you don't usually tap into because 
once a thought of a distraction comes in, you, you jump on it and you go with it. Mm. Oh, I've got to send that email. Yeah, better do this. Send that email or send that text. But after that 10, 15, 20 minutes, when, you, when the brain accepts, that, oh, I'm going to be here for the whole hour, then you start to like go into this almost this next phase without those, all those initial thoughts. But in our daily lives, because we don't have that space, we never get to the point where we allow that first bomb. It's always that con- first kind of 15 minute bombardment. We've never, yeah. we've never given ourselves like 20 minutes of just like, okay, observation to, okay, well, what, what's beyond all that? Yeah, you are exactly right. Yeah. yeah, I haven't actually thought about putting it in that context before, but you are right. Because there is always a period at the beginning right. where it, it's difficult. And that's what and we live on all easier. day long. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. in that hour that you choose to be there, because you're almost a prisoner there. For some people, it is, it is suffering mm. when they're in there. For people, it's yeah. like just being alone with my thoughts. This is at freaky, least right? At least for the first 10 minutes. Exactly. For some people, the first 10 minutes are very difficult. Yeah. But once you get to that point where, okay, I've accepted it and this, and then you get to this thing. And then that's when this amazing creativity and this, okay, I never, then you start to explore your um, yeah. different aspects. And that's, that's for me, when I'm meditating by myself, because I, I do meditate, I can get to tap into that point where it's like, it just calms down a little bit. Mm. And then now there's more space for okay, wow, there's this thought, this I never I never had this perspective on this idea before, or you know, oh, this is a good idea. So much so that you might want to jump out of the float tank and write something down because it's such a good idea yeah. that you don't want to forget, right? And there's a weird thing as well, and I do not know why this happens, and maybe it only happens to me. But if I'm thinking about a problem in the day, mm-hmm. in waking life, walking around, I generally often I find myself ruminating. You know, going over the same shit over and over again and not really enjoying it and not really making any progress mm-hmm. or just torturing myself a bit about a problem or an issue or a challenge. Mm-hmm. If I sit down and journal, mm-hmm. then I can lay that out logically yeah. and I can address it and I can think of a solution. Mm-hmm. But it's not always satisfactory, but it helps. Yeah. In a float pod, I don't... I mean, I've floated, you know, probably, I don't know, hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. But there's very few times where I find myself properly ruminating in there. I usually do for a bit. But there is something about that environment of having no sensory inputs that releases something else. Yeah. So I often find that you might ruminate a bit at the beginning, which is what connects to what you just said. Yep. You let those ruminations play out. And then rather than in waking life where you ruminate for 10 minutes and then get distracted and do something else and come back and ruminate again, yeah. in there you ruminate for 10 minutes and then there's nowhere to go. And then it kind of, the, the, the thoughts get more strung out. Mm-hmm. They, they, they become more separated yeah. and there becomes more space for which to actually be creative and discover things as opposed yes. to just get distracted and then go back to square one. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you, you don't keep going back to square one. Yep. That's what I find anyway. And that's why when we talk about the, the deeper elements of you know, what we're trying to actually do when we're meditating on being mindful, it's that when we are observing thoughts, we are, we're creating the sense of, of distance and separation from, from the ego and, you know, I've got to send the email, I've got to go to Sainsbury's, I've got to go, you know, the milk's gone off, I've got to buy bread, and there's, there's all that kind of thinking. But then there's this new perspective of, wow, I'm now observing that. So who is the person doing the observing, and who is the person that's having the thoughts? Mm. Who is that? And when you're, in that, when you're in the flotation tank and when you're meditating, because there's literally no sensory inputs... And you feel almost a separation from your body, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, people talk of the idea of, like, floating in space or something. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting for me because, you know, in the, the deeper, more spiritual side of, of mindfulness and meditation, it's, 
it goes it's called the dissolving of the ego you know when I, i'm not just gi gi in this body you know there this is there's this consciousness that kind of underlines everything and when you're in the that space of the um, of the flotation tank and when you feel like you are not your body you really start to tap into who you really are at the core mm. beyond the the physical and beyond the 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 sense of ego and the job that you do and the, the skin color and your weight you're now tapping into this well this consciousness mm -hmm. and um yeah i found it's um of any environment you could ever possibly be in that, that the flotation tank is the catalyst and it's the, the 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 best environment to to experience that yeah i mean i've I don't, I, i've i've been doing a lot of reading over the last couple of years around different philosophies sort of taoism mm -hmm. buddhism just out of my own personal interests because i find them interesting you know, yeah. a different a different way of looking at the world mm -hmm. looking at the world in a way that is less about being an individual in it and more about being a part of it mm -hmm. um and I, on a personal level, floating is something that I, c I can link to that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's, I don't think everyone will do that. You know, I think some people will practice mindfulness, practice creativity. I think some people will. Relax. Yeah, and exactly. And there's, there's, I'm not trying to say that that is everyone's no. experience, but I'm saying that there's. But that, there, that is a part of our audience, though. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, and that's the, um, when I said before that we get people who want to go and relax. And we've got scientific support for how floating helps you to relax. Yeah. Um, and then we have people that want to practice mindfulness. And we've talked about the fact that it's a great environment to practice mm -hmm. mindfulness in. But what you're talking about now is the third reason that people do respond and say, this is why I float. Mm -hmm. And it's exploring consciousness and what it is. Yep. And when you've just got nothing going on in there. Yeah, when, it's just, when it's just that, yeah. It's only your brain, it's only your breath, and then it becomes this kind of, as you say, you do become a bit disconnected from your body. You can, you can go down that road as well if you want to. Um, and that's, a, that's another thing that people use it for. You're listening to the Action for Happiness podcast. My name's Guy, and on today's episode, we are joined by Floatworks co-founder, Ed Hawley. In the second half of the podcast, we talk about exploring consciousness, mindfulness as it relates to happiness and philosophy. When people ask me what is mindfulness, it's such a broad spectrum, and yeah. you know, back to the question of why, how they cross over, right? Because the way that I, when someone asks me what is mindfulness, I have a picture in my mind of how to explain it because it's just so vast. Yeah, and so uh, the way that I've I've envisaged it is almost like a, a path, right? We're right at the beginning of the path. We're looking at stress reduction, better sleep, you know, feeling better at work, and better relationships with colleagues and you know helping with psoriasis and back pain and then there's kind of like the next phase where, we, where we're starting to look at you know the observation of thoughts and how you can take a negative thought and just with the breath just you know bring yourself back to the present so now you start to apply it throughout the day and start to think okay well now this argument with my wife or this guy that's annoying me in traffic and you're now you're in a position where you can start to apply your 20 minute session or your hour floating meditation and that always bringing it back to the breath and always bringing it back to the breath you start to apply it throughout your day mm. and then you get the third level <coughs> where it's getting more towards the dissolving of the ego so you know who is who is the self you know the biggest versus the smallest mm. you know who am i without the ego we are all connected we are all one mm. so maybe maybe incorrect to say that there's a path to enlightenment yeah but there 
for me personally, mm. there have been enlightening moments. Yeah. Right. So the idea of just sitting back and just n as if on a screen, noticing all these thoughts. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now that I'm noticing them, and because I repeatedly notice them every morning now when I meditate, I'm just being the observer. Mm -hmm. You numb down the effect that those thoughts have on you. Yeah. Right? Definitely. Yeah. And that triggers this very spiritual journey. And when I use the word spiritual, I'm not trying to say religious. I'm just saying there's something that goes a lot deeper than the, um, the science and the physics that we're aware of. It's like, wow, now it's not only how I relate to my thoughts, but who, you know, the way I perceive myself. Yeah. Right? And how I let your negative comments affect me or not affect me. Mm. And now all of a sudden it's like I start to see and play the role that I'm that I'm living with like a thicker skin. Yeah. Right? Not so quick to be angry, not so quick to judge. And then so then, you know, if I got like a happiness bar on the side as well, it's like, you know, I've I've literally felt my like my happiness increasing the more that I've explored into this, you know, this world of um, meditation. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that um this is why I do truly believe that whether it's um, exercising or meditating or floating or whatever it is, developing an actual practice is really important. Yeah. So we're, you're talking about this kind of your own journey mm -hmm. is, a, is about kind of um, learning to observe your thoughts and learning to not allow negative interactions to have an impact on you because you can almost detach from them through meditation right sense is that kind of yeah, and understand how if you have seventy thousand thoughts a day right yeah and some of them are going to be negative why should the negative ones have more weight or more power than all the other thoughts that you're having right and it's yeah. only because we give them labels mm -hmm. and we we define what is and so we put it on ourselves what i'm saying is that the the more familiar you are with just being oh i just see it repeated all day long Mm. Right, it's like if I came up to you and said, you know, you're an idiot. Yeah. Every five minutes, okay, you're an idiot. You're an yeah. idiot. After a couple of weeks, it's like that just all becomes background noise to you, right? Yeah. The power that that used to have is now. Yeah. You're seeing it for for what it is. Yes, and yeah, and that's that's interesting, right? So there's so many different ways to wrap that up. Yeah. You can wrap that up as like a spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. You can wrap that up as a logical realization that it's fruitless and and bonkers to to emotionally attach to something negative that someone says because nine times out of ten mm -hmm. if someone says something negative to you it's usually about them mm -hmm. i find yeah. you know, sometimes you might have done something actually outrageous right? yeah. <laughs> and you deserve you deserve to be told not to do it again yeah. or, or criticized but you know often if someone's angry and starting to unload on you mm -hmm. it's usually because there's something bothering them rather than yeah. it's not that much to do with you most yeah. of the time yeah so that's a logical realization of how people operate psychologically mm -hmm. you're like yeah, this is probably about them. Yeah. Or you can wrap that up as a spiritual realization of the nature of kind of reality and how things connect together and, and all that kind of thing. So you can look yeah. at it in many different ways. But what I think is really important is to start feeling like that and to start feeling happier and to stop connecting to negative energy and negative thoughts and those kind of things. Yeah. There are practices that can help you do that. Yeah. And I'm not just trying to get everyone floating, although I do think everyone should float. It, it could be mindfulness. It could be exercise. Yeah, right. It's floating. Like you said, there are tools one can use, and floating is definitely one of the tools. One of them. Yeah. And 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 you know, you just know, like if I've had a bad day, and I float, uh, even if sometimes a float can be quite hard because you know there is a lot of rumination at the beginning because I'm sure. having a bad day. I feel better afterwards. My problems feel that my problems feel less. 
But that's the same if I get an exercise as well. Sure. Uh, it's, it's different. There are differences. But exercise does that for me too. Yeah. And meditation did that for me when I was practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, I find the meditation, when I get out of the practice, then I have to work really hard to get back into the practice. Yeah. That's yeah. my biggest mm-hmm. challenge. I mean, I've taken meditation seriously. I've been on 10-day silent retreats and mm-hmm. I have gone hard with it. And it's amazing. Um, but keeping it going, the, the discipline is the, is the yeah. part that I find difficult. Yeah. Um, and with floating too, uh, you know, sometimes you might think, oh, do I really want to go to the effort of doing that? And then when you've done it, you feel good. Yes. Then we go to the gym. Oh, I can't yeah. be asked. You know, I'm knackered. You know, and then you go and you're like, thank God. I, sometimes you, 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 your mind will even fool you. Mm-hmm. It will say, actually, you know what? You're a bit too tired mm-hmm. to go to the gym. Yeah. You're feeling a bit run down. You really shouldn't. Yeah. And then you go, yeah, yeah. I should just like it's watch like, YouTube. Yeah. And yeah. just chill. Yeah. But actually, that's bullshit. And your mind is tricking you into doing that. And then you just go and do it and you feel better. Yeah. But I fall victim to that, you know. But that's why it's good to to, med- to be the observer of thoughts. Because when that thought comes up, ah, oh, there you are again, mm. USOB. I see you right there. Yeah. And I'm just going to go, I'm going to push through it. Yeah. Right, because if you don't have that skill of noticing it, then as soon as that thought comes up, okay, I agree. Mm. Know, let me sit back today. Let me do it. And let me just do some push-ups at home later on, which you never get around to doing anyway. Which you don't do. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> how how would you say you're... You always come across as a very happy person, yeah. right? Now, how has... If your happiness level... you know, How has that changed or evolved over the past couple of years? Well, I, well, I, I lived my old job. I worked in uh, tech mm-hmm. sales... Yep. and also right I mean and I did live it I lived sales I lived targets I lived working in a big team full of my friends but I wasn't that passionate about technology to mm-hmm. be honest it wasn't like a thing that I really and I, and, and I didn't really really deeply get it you know like big companies that were doing making massive waves in tech mm-hmm. I didn't look at them and go wow amazing mm-hmm. I just wasn't that interested so I was getting a bit um I was getting not I wasn't depressed or despondent, but I was getting a bit tired of of, of that world. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that I've shaken things up mm-hmm. and done something completely different has made me a much happier person. Yeah. Um, but since you the last time we spoke, mm. right? Because you'd already like been on this amazing journey, right? I was probably very excited the last mm-hmm. time we spoke because I think the last time we spoke was not that long after we launched Vauxhall, probably. Yeah. So we launched. Yeah. So we launched the Flexion in Vauxhall. I was highly excitable. I think mm-hmm. probably quite amped up. <laughs> and I guess you know. The, the, again, going back to it being a practice, I am not the most disciplined pe- of people on earth. Mm. You know, I work really hard, and you have to be relatively disciplined to be an entrepreneur anyway, because there's no one, there's no boss. Yeah. Um. You know, I train and I, I do do stuff, but I also lose my motivation at times. I'm generally a happy person, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I don't suffer from depression or anxiety. Um. But I do, like everyone, lose motivation and have slumps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you have a difficult meeting with um, an investor or a difficult meeting with uh, the board or if something goes wrong with a float pod and customers are really pissed off, mm. then they, they're really difficult things to handle. And if they stack up, you know, you get three of them in a week yeah. uh, and then you get a few other people giving you negative feedback. As I said before, that's usually about them rather than you. But yeah. all those things stack up. So I'm human as well. Yeah. And um, I get, I, d- I, I can get like, you know, a, a little bit lower. But for me, just having a practice mm. has meant that that baseline that I dropped to mm. 
is higher, basically. That's great, yeah. And because and, I don't think there's that aiming to be happy all of the time, in my opinion, mm-hmm. I don't believe that's realistic because I think the nature of reality yeah. is that you are going to be happy and you are going to be sad mm-hmm. and you're going to be up and you're going to be down. But if you can build practices into your life that make a larger percentage of your time mm-hmm. on the happy side yeah. and a lower percentage of your time on the lower side, mm-hmm. that's what you should be aiming for. And if you can build practices into your life that allow you to deal with those mm-hmm. low times and get out of them quicker, yeah. that's the way I see it. And I'm definitely <clears throat> in a much better place in that way. Yeah. And it helps you redefine what happiness is anyway. Because right, sometimes something that could have been a negative, the more you learn and the more you grow, Actually, actually, that wasn't a negative. You start to learn, look at these things as learning lessons versus something negative that happens to you, right? Yeah, and uh, another thing that's been very, very helpful for me with uh, with getting back out of the slumps and back into the happiness zone yeah. is philosophy. Yeah. Like I, I, stoicism is is one, and different people have. To, I, like, I said before, I like Taoism, I like Stoicism, I like Buddhism, I like all of them, but Stoicism is one particularly. I can so I've actually had a really tough week. Um, as we sit here mm-hmm. and um, you know that for me getting out of my happiness zone is usually brings me into a stressful place mm-hmm. because I've chosen to live a life where I've taken a lot on mm-hmm. and I can get quite angry and like pissed off mm-hmm. um, floating and exercise and meditation are amazing tools to bring you out of that and to support you in getting back out of that but then the other thing is is, is philosophy and mm-hmm. thinking in a certain way, which is kind of what you were touching on before. Mm-hmm. But stoicism is a brilliant one yeah. because I spend much less time in a place of ruminating and being pissed off mm-hmm. when I, A, use practices to get out of it and B, use a framework of philosophical thinking mm-hmm. to frame what's happening. Yeah. And stoicism for me is a good one. You know, Framing problems as opportunities right. and f- uh, framing really difficult times yeah. as growth periods. Yes. And recognizing that if you don't, and this is what I was saying, you can't be happy all the time. Often you're going through a hard time. If you can reframe that as this is me leveling up, mm-hmm. it's hard to do, but and I've, I've spent a lot of time try working at it. Yeah. But that is a really, really valuable way to view the world if you can get there. Mm-hmm. And Stoic, The Obstacle is the Way is a good book. Mm-hmm. And that's one that was a bit of a resonated with me. Sure. And that made that helps a lot as well. Given your role and given the interactions that you've had, and ha- has your vision changed and as far as your mission statement and your and your goals have have they shift as the goalposts shifted? And, yeah, and you know, yeah. What what is your 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 future? How how are you how are you envisage that? So when we so when we relaunched Floatworks with, um, when me and Chris relaunched Floatworks, mm-hmm. we I think we went with the, the slogan. Be help, be happier, be healthier, perform better, or something. Pretty cheesy, yeah, and not really where we needed to be. But it was something that we were just trying to get off the ground, and you know. But we've worked more and more and more on our what is our messaging, what is our branding, what is our mission, what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, and we've been also through evolutions in terms of how big we want to go. Yeah. So you know, first it was like right, let's do six float centers in London, and then we started to talk about, wow, we could do like a global franchise, and we could do, and and I still they're, they're all possibilities, but we've kind of dreamt about those things and talked about them but then realized actually it's quite difficult um to grow yeah. you know finding properties when you're a little one center float center mm-hmm. is quite challenging landlords are sort of like well, who, who who are you and you've got one little float center you don't even know what floating is mm-hmm. and you want to come and take on a really expensive lease and spend yeah. 
700 grand building a new shiny float center mm-hmm. so we've realized that the, the, you know the reality of growing is, is quite challenging mm-hmm. it's going to get a lot easier now because we've got we're going to have two centers they're both going to be looking pretty gleaming and awesome mm-hmm. we've learned how to deliver a really good service we've got great float pods so um our ability to grow is going to be enhanced quite a bit yeah so we've always had the aspirations of growth we've probably now just checked ourselves and realized that you need to take it a step at a time you know let's get angel live let's get Vauxhall and Angel working really, really well, and then let's look to move on to the next ones. So we, we will always look to open more float centres, though. And is the demand in the market, is it is it yeah. growing year by year? Yeah, I mean, we've always been really busy. I'm confident that Angel will be really busy. There are new float centres popping up as well, which is good, because if they're not very good, well, then we're really good. If they are really good, well, then floating looks really good. So it's a win-win. Um and and so yeah, the the market is growing. It's already been proven west coast of America, Australia. There's already a huge floating market, yeah. um, and so there's room for us to grow in London. There are eight million people in London, thirteen in the wider London area. It's a lot of people, and floating works, and it's yeah. good. So I'm not worried about that. Um, yeah, it's, it's more the logistics of getting from one to two. Yes. Once that's complete, then I think going to six is going to be. Mm-hmm. It's going to be easy, and that's what we're going to go for. Okay, e- easy is probably the wrong word. It's going to be easier than, <laughs> yeah. than this yeah. step. Um, and then, yeah, do we build a franchise and start to get Floatworks in other cities, possibly? Okay. I, and then, in terms of the mission, we're, we're kind of moving towards talking about floating as the ultimate practice for just connecting with the present moment mm-hmm. and getting as many people as possible to recognize that connection with the present moment through floating, mm-hmm. which, which kind of is underpinned by those three, the brain, the body, and the being. You know, it has this impact on the brain, this impact on the body, it enhances your being. But ultimately, what is all of that about? Yep. It's really about the present moment. Yeah. Because, you know, you know, there is a bit of a stress epidemic in big cities. Yep. Um, people are moving at 100 miles an hour, nonstop. You know, everything is overcrowded. Mm-hmm. People are exhausted. Uh, and then I think that's compounded by people being glued to social media and phones and all. I mean, if you just, there's those quite interesting videos where you remove the phones mm-hmm. and everyone's just walking around staring at their hands and they're <laughs> all connected. And if you just, if you just walk down the street, count the number of people that aren't looking at mm-hmm. or listening to their phone, mm-hmm. isn't that the, isn't, it's going to be it's you. Rare. It's, it's going to be you, yeah. basically. Me. Yeah, and you'll be on your phone probably. Yeah, yeah. So, it, so the, 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 the stress, the pace of life compounded by the proliferation of always on technology all of those things take us away from the present moment. Mm-hmm. And so we think we found our mission, which is to kind of help people to reconnect with the present moment because it, it, that is what brings about these deep feelings of relaxation and, and serenity. Yeah. All right, well, Action for Happiness, we, um, we want to, uh, uh, exploring what matters course, um, where we you know, engage in the community and have members of the community come and um, facilitate and the way one of the the big questions in this course is you know exploring what matters so um for you given all your experience and given your the learnings for you what what matters most um so well so in recent times it's changed because i think that i was a little bit life and death about my own ambitions and success really you know, I was obsessed. <laughs> and even when I started float works, I was like, this has to work kind yeah. of thing. I did start to try and get comfortable with the fact that it might not, because I think you have to. Mm-hmm. 
you know you have to give it everything but you have to understand that it could not work because yeah. things don't always work um but what I've, I've i've really learned over time is that the thing that matters most to me is not how successful my business is and how much money i have and how well known i am mm-hmm. it's just not um and so what i try to think about is if I wasn't doing float works and it wasn't a success. How happy would I be then? Mm-hmm. And and I'd be happy. Yeah. And that's what's really really important. You know, again, all these tools are wonderful, and you should use them to get to a state of really just just being comfortable day to day, just yeah. walking down the street mm-hmm. and talking to your friends. Yeah, uh, and that is what matters most. I I think. Yeah. Wonderful. Mm. So, um, if people are interested in in booking a a float. So we got the Voxel branch. They can go to Floatworks. Floatworks.com. Yeah. And um, so, so when is the um, opening date for the Angel branch? We should be open towards the end of June. So there's four four pods in Voxel now. Floatworks.com, and then uh, Floatworks.com again for the new site, which is opening towards the end of June in Angel, and then hopefully more centres next year. And it will all be at Floatworks.com. Right. Well, I'll be definitely down soon for for another flow you know i need a i need a top up so nice all right cool thanks for coming down cheers. and um all the best with the new with the new with the new center cheers Keith. and remember if you'd like to help create a kinder and happier world please get involved with action for happiness you can join thousands of others who are spreading a bit more happiness in their homes workplaces schools and local communities our website has all the information you need to sign up for our exploring what matters course and also details about facilitating one yourself. All the information is online and we're here to answer any questions you have. Don't forget to subscribe, like and follow to keep up to date with all our content. Find out more at actionforhappiness.org. Join the movement, be the change.